Hello, I'm Rick, and you're listening to Cards of Rick. Today's episode of Mysticism Domestified is A Short History of Cartomancy 3 The Development of Cartomancy. Inquisitional courts were over only by early 19th century, but since the 16th century, Renaissance humanism had opened way to the development of esotericism, when thinkers assimilated concepts of alchemy, astrology and magic. Despite the witch hunt fever, esotericism was nothing new in the European continent. Christian Kabbalah and Hermetism already existed as of the end of the 15th century. Earlier Jewish Kabbalah had been around since the 12th century, and grimoires, books of magic spells by European, Jewish and even Arab authors had also been circulating in Europe since the Middle Ages. Even in the very midst of the Inquisition, Fortune-telling books had flourished in medieval Europe and got widely popular since the 15th century, with the advent of Gutenberg's press. The first printed book of the kind was Lorenzo Spiritus' Libro della Ventura, printed in Bologna in 1482. The bibliomancy, divination through books, had been around since Roman antiquity, one of those Roman books Sortis Homericae, remained popular until the Middle Ages and provided foundations for Renaissance fortune-telling books. One of the earliest fortune-telling books in English language to be consulted using playing cards was published in the 18th century between 1750 and 1770 in London. Partridge and Flamstead's new and well-experienced fortune book, a kind of a new edition of a previous work from 1729, Dr. Flamstead and Mr. Partridge's new fortune book, with different content regarding the divination technique portrayed. The book was attributed to the authors Dr. John Flamstead, the first astronomer royal, which is a senior post in the royal households of the United Kingdom, and John Partridge, astrologer and publisher of astrological almanacs and books, but the true authorship of the book is uncertain. It was a method of knowing one's future by using a pack of cards, which required the reader to take a card off the deck and consult its correspondent meaning in the pages of the book. The reader was supposed to do as follows. Open quote. Take a new pack of cards. Shuffle them well together. He or she that holds them spreading them on the table. With their faces downwards. Then those who draw must shut their eyes and lay their right hand on the left breast, saying these words as they draw the card. Open 
Only soi qui mal y pense. Shame be on him who thinks evil of it. Then look upon the number, having recourse to the book, so you'll be satisfied in your good or bad fortune. End quote. Only soi qui mal y pense. This maxim in French was used as a motto of the British Order of the Garter, an order of chivalry founded by the King of England and Lord of Ireland, Edward III, in 1348. The expression can be found inscribed at the end of the manuscript of a late 14th century English chivalric romance, whose authorship is unknown. Centuries later, that work was titled Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Another 18th century example of a fortune-telling manual that one could buy in London for the cost of one shilling printed in London in 1791 was Every Lady's Own Fortune Teller or An Infallible Guide to the Hidden Decrees of Fate being a new and regular system for foretelling future events by astrology, physiognomy, palmistry, moles, cards and dreams, to which is added a new method of foretelling by the dregs of coffee. In an excerpt of chapter 5, dedicated to card tossing, the author goes like this. Open quote. It is a common custom with persons professing the science to live out the aces as being generally portentive of bad fortune. But in the source of our practice, we have found them not only of essential utility, but likewise the certain foretellers of good luck, provided always that they are properly accompanied. We also beg leave to remind our readers of the necessity that a person whose fortune is to be told should, before the cards are cut, choose one of the four kings. If a man, to represent himself. If a woman, she must name a queen. The king of the chosen queen and the queen of the chosen king will stand for the husband or wife, mistress or lover of the person concerned, and the knave for the most intimate person of his or her family. End quote. Fortune telling decks with predictions already printed on the cards instead of on a book were also commercialized in early 18th century England and actually became quite popular. There are some remaining examples of sets of cards with verses used for telling one's fortune printed on each card and the first of those known is the Lenthal Fortune Telling Cards, published in 1711 by John Lenthal Stationer, being a deck of 52 cards plus two instruction cards, specially designed for divination. The instruction cards say, open quote, When any person is desirous to try their fortune, let them go to one of the four kings and choose that question they please, and carry in their mind the number and word set down before the question, and let them go to that sphere marked with the same word and number. Then let them draw a card after they have been shuffled, and remember the number drawn in the knave. End quote. And so forth. 
the manual displays meanings to each of the 52 playing cards of the deck, teaches a fortune-telling method, and gives an example of a reading. A proliferation of notorious cartomancers and esoteric brotherhoods started appearing in Europe by the end of the 18th century and the first decades of the 19th century. One of those most famous cartomancers from the Napoleonic era was Mademoiselle Marie-Anne Lenormand, whose clients included people of the highest social positions, such as none other than Empress Josephine de Bourgogne, Napoleon's wife, and the Tsar Alexander I, Emperor of Russia. She became such a celebrity that after her death, several cartomancy decks largely used until today were created and named after the great Sibylle de Salon, as she was known. One of these decks is the Petit Lenormand, quite popular amongst fortune tellers, including in Brazil. Cartomancy treatises dating back to the 19th century are registers of the development of the oracular practice. In the manual, The Fortune Teller, for example, by Louisa Lawford, published in 1861, the author gives prophetic meanings to each of the cards in the deck and teaches different methods of reading, English and French ones. In the chapter, Fortune-telling by cards, the author, when explaining the French methods of fortune-telling using cards, uses the exact same passage found in an earlier treatise, whose authorship is uncertain. The name attributed to that work was Victorine Lenormand. But the first name of iconic Madame Lenormand was Marie-Anne. So, whether the famous C.B. de Salon actually wrote it or not, This remains a mystery. The work attributed to Victorine Lenormand was titled in its English edition The Oracle of Human Destiny, or Book of Fate, being an unerring fortune-teller and accurate interpreter of mystical signs and heavenly bodies, published in London in 1825. An excerpt of the text goes like this. Open quote. In fortune-telling by cards, as in all games in which they are employed, the ace ranks highest in value. Then comes the king, followed by the queen, knave, ten, nine, eight, seven, these being generally the only cards used. The order and comparative value of the different suits is as follows. First on the list stands clubs as they mostly portend happiness, and, no matter how numerous or how accompanied, are rarely or never of bad augury. Next comes hots, which usually signify joy, liberality or good temper. Diamonds, on the contrary, denote delay, quarrels and annoyance, and spades, the worst suit of all, grief, sickness, and loss of money." End quote. This coincidence of content was no isolated case. The copy-and-paste literary style was a fashion amongst authors of fortune-telling almanacs and pamphlets, 
diverse treatises from the period often share identical passages. Besides books, one can find reference to cartomancy in art from the many paintings with the subject by the end of the 19th century, such as friend Edouard Bisson's Question aux cartes, Question to the Cards, and British Charles Haywood's work The Fortune Teller. By the second half of the 19th century, cartomancy was so popular through all social circles that it fomented a vast market of playing cards and tarot decks with a big variety of designs and prices to meet the growing needs of customers. The Victorian occultist vogue flourished in a time when the Catholic Church's beliefs were no longer hegemonic and the Holy Inquisition was a thing of the past. The 19th century saw a quite significant rise in occult practices and a particular pack of cards known as tarocco emerged as a popular divination too. But where did it come from? And how did it become such a vogue amongst esotericists? The tarot, that's the topic of the next episode of Mysticism Demystified, in the next first quarter moon. Cheers.